Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. Today, we are talking about the time travel episodes that we missed in the Star Trek animated series. (laughs) Did we really miss them? Question mark. (laughs) Yeah, it was funny because we were looking up these episodes on our wonderful Exastera. Yeah, in our Exastris Scientitia website. So we were following along because this website has been incredibly helpful to us throughout the time travel series. And... We clearly did not read the summaries that well because there's not a lot of time travel in these episodes. I'm just going to say it right now, but they are very entertaining episodes. So I suggest if you want to have a really fun 40 minutes, go watch these two episodes if you haven't seen them in a while. And those episodes are The Slaver Weapon and The Jihad. Yeah. Very, very uh, politically confusing titles. (laughs) But Rihanna, before we get into talking about these episodes, I'm wondering if you could travel to the future to any episode of the animated series, which one would you go to? Hands down, Giant Spock. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's called The Survivor. No, 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 sorry. It's called The Infinite Vulcan. And (laughs) it is just a fantastic episode. I would love to see Giant Spock, especially when Giant Spock mind melds with baby Spock. Or not baby Spock, just regular Spock. But, you know, he's baby comparatively. (laughs) There's nothing better. Ashlyn, what about you? Rihanna, I was going to say Giant Spock. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's arguably one of the best episodes. No, it seriously is. And it's a good reminder to us all that even though Leonard Nimoy is gone and Prime Spock has passed away, there is still giant Spock hanging out on a planet somewhere who is probably immortal. So (laughs) (laughs) we actually review this episode in our Patreon, which will be out soon. So it's amazing. I am going to say just to have a different answer. My second choice would be to travel to more tribbles, more problems. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can't get enough of those tribbles, and I love animated Kirk in that one. It's all good. It's all happiness over there. It's really fantastic. Any tribble shenanigans are always a good time. (laughs) So shall we dive into the episode The Slaver Weapon? Yeah, and I also just want to take this opportunity to say that this is a very interesting podcast to end our time travel series on with these two magical little gems here. And we are very excited next week to talk about villains. So Yes, villains and original series. It's going to be amazing. Woo! All right, well, let's talk about the slaver weapon. <laughs> Not a sentence you hear every day. No. <laughs> So, essentially, the time travel element in this episode is the stasis box, that these boxes are scattered all across the universe from when the slavers were sort of the master race, terrifying slavers of many species in the galaxy, and these time boxes contain different items. One of them contains a bomb that, once the box is open, the pin is pulled and it explodes, so they're very dangerous, and so only Starfleet 
can handle them. Yes. And these boxes Spock talks about, I also just want to point out that there's only Spock, Ahura, and Sulu in this episode of our original cast. Yeah. We don't even see a captain's log. We don't even see the Enterprise in this episode. Yeah. It actually, it starts out with Spock, Sulu, and Ahura on a shuttlecraft. I assume it's Galileo. I'm no, not sure. They called it like Cassiopeia or some other famous uh, name. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for paying attention to that. I appreciate you. Yeah, so I think this was a week where they were like, let's give the main cast some time off and let's focus on these little characters. Or maybe no one else was available to record this episode. <laughs> Either way, it was kind of fun to see this dynamic because we don't often get to see Ahura go down on the planet and especially Sulu. Like, they usually are people who stay aboard the Enterprise. So that was really fun to see them on an away mission together. And that Sulu got kind of the limelight in this episode. He got to be sort of the main guy because apparently the villain of the week in this episode really appreciate people who are carnivores. And so they can read minds. It was just this whole thing. Spock was telling him, if they try to read your mind, just picture yourself eating vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) No, Rihanna, he didn't say just vegetables. He he said a raw carrot. <laughs> <laughs> Something even worse than like, vegetables. So weird. <laughs> so specific. So back to these stasis boxes, Spock at one point says that the first one was discovered totally by accident. Once you have one stasis box, you can use that to find another stasis box because it will glow. I guess when this box glows, you're kind of playing that game where you're like, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, closer to the stasis box. (laughs) And then when it like glows less, it's like, oh, the box is in the other direction. Yeah. So it's a very super imprecise (laughs) way of locating these boxes. As you said, Rihanna, who knows what could be in these boxes? The very specific time travel element in this episode we want to talk about today is how the object inside the stasis box time travels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the magical part of these boxes is that time stands still inside of them. And so when these carnivore villain guys are opening up the box, they find a piece of meat <laughs> that has been perfectly preserved, <laughs> which is so random. I just don't really understand it, but these boxes are very sophisticated technology. They have a weapon inside. They have a picture of the original slaver. It's really weird. Also, we don't even know that's a picture of the original slaver. Just Sulu thinks it is. Then the aliens read his mind and they agree with him. And they said, oh yeah, it's probably the slavers. (laughs) Yeah, it's so literally the meat is doing the time traveling in this episode. (laughs) I don't think I would have ever said that. Time traveling meat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uhura gets so curious about it. When they pull it out, she's like, it's perfectly preserved. (laughs) (laughs) Also, what's weird is that when the species, and we should probably call them by their name. Um, yeah. do, you know, do you know their name? No, they look like big cats. Yeah, they do look like nice kitties. Kazinti. The Kazinti do some tests on the meat, and it turns out that it's poisonous. Yeah. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> Not even beneficial. I wonder if it wasn't poisonous for the slavers or something, but this time traveling meat is not even edible. <laughs> I'm wondering, there's also this maybe weapon. There's this device that 
looks like kind of a green gun, maybe like a plant gun or something. And it has nine different functions you can slide through and they all do different things. So there's one that's like an atom bomb explosion. That's huge. There's one that shoots fire out of it. And the Kazinti say you can put your foot on it and ride it like a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, There's a bunch of other uses for it. It seems like there's one that can like take away energy. Like it's an energy absorber because it removes a force field that's holding Spock, Sulu, and Ahura, yeah, in this police web that they have. This is a cool device. Sulu says that it might be for a spy. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't really know how this weapon works, but we do find out it can also communicate, and that this weapon does not have a sense of time when it is turned off. So it doesn't know how long it's been turned off. And now it knows it's in the hands of someone who doesn't know the secret codes. So they don't give them the setting that's the atom bomb setting. It's very sophisticated technology, even though it's from the past. It's just been in stasis in the box because it was asleep or turned off. It didn't know how much time passed. So I guess for that little weapon, it was very confusing journey. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like for the weapon, even if it hadn't been turned off, if it had been awake the whole time, it still would not be able to know how much time had passed because of the nature of these stasis boxes Yeah, where time is still inside of them. And so it feels like no time is passing. <laughs> I also just want to note the fabulous, fantastic, unbelievably amazing voice acting of Majel Barrett for this weapon yes. because you can barely tell that it's her but it is a seriously strange voice and she is really pulling out all the stops for this weapon. So I just have to say, God bless Major Barrett. And I know she's smiling at us from heaven right now (laughs) talking about her greatest accomplishment. (laughs) The weapon voice, yeah. (laughs) There's a hilarious quote at the end of this episode where Spock is contemplating the events of this wild episode. They're heading back and he says, strange how the past sometimes breaks through to the present. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I guess that is strange because this weapon's from, we don't know how far in the past. So it's interesting. (laughs) I mean... Honestly, this is not a bad premise. I actually found this whole plot pretty interesting, especially the background that they give in about five seconds at the beginning of this episode. It's super quick exposition. And that's the thing with these animated series episodes is there's no time to mess around. I think if this had been a full length episode, we might have seen maybe pictures of Spock's briefing to Kirk about the slaver race and about the Kazinti and all of this stuff. But instead, we get about one minute of Spock spouting expositional dialogue. But it sounds like the slavers, which I just wish we could call them something else, but we cannot. Yep. It sounds like they were actually rulers over the whole galaxy or universe. And then the battle that they had was so intense that it wiped out all life. And life had to completely re-evolve from the beginning, like back to amoebas and stuff. So it seems like this is a extinction level event similar to Discovery, where all of civilization is wiped out. (laughs) Right. Well, I was wondering if this slaver race came before the sphere data. Probably. Yeah, I think easily. Yeah. Absolutely. It seems like this was kind of a hard reset. Like, if our Federation is considering year zero to be when the universe began, I kind of think that maybe this race was even before that. Yeah. So we got kind of a BC situation. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Going so on. this weapon is very wild. I mean, no wonder they ruled the galaxy for however long they did, because this is very advanced technology for the time that they were probably in. Yeah. And they were able to seal up time inside this box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I just want to have another plug in there that at some point we will be reviewing this episode on our Patreon. So definitely jump over there, see how many episodes we've reviewed of the animated series, and we will be talking much more in depth about this episode here in a couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. So Ashlyn, our next and final time travel episode is called The Jihad, which is such a bizarre place to end this series, but you know, mm. it's animated series, so you just gotta love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually another very intense, worried about the whole galaxy episode type thing, because Kirk and Spock are now called on a mission, just the two of them, with a bunch of other species of people who are skilled in special ways in order to retrieve this soul I don't know period (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's a soul that looks like a little ribbon or something it looks like a boy scout knot yeah 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 it's tied very well but this soul could start a holy war on the galaxy so that's why this is called the jihad which means holy war or struggle and so we've got high stakes in this episode so first of all I want to talk a little bit about the technology in this episode because a lot of it makes zero sense to me So they start out on one planet, right? And they have this sort of leader of the group, the mission leader, who's telling them everything that they need to do. And she's this like cat lady, you know, normal. We're not talking about a lady who loves cats. We're talking about a lady who is a cat who stands on her hind legs. I just want to make that clear. And this is not the cat lady who we sometimes see in animated series who serves on the Enterprise. It's a different cat lady. She's like a tabby cat. Right. And this is different from the cat aliens that we saw in our last episode so (laughs) they just really love cats in this series (laughs) so they beam down to this asteroid and this vidalin cat lady she is explaining the mission to them and the people on their expedition is tachar who is a member of the score species and a master of the eerie whatever the f that means <laughs> i think he was hanging out with king arthur you know yeah. he's like one of the knights just Master chilling of the Eerie. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly sounds like lady of the lake yeah <laughs> yeah and then we've got a bunch of other playing characters like this guy named sword who's a reptilian guy we've got em or green or whatever who's this coward also sort of reptilian and then we've got Lara, who's this hunter, this human hunter. And then we've got Kirk and Spock. A motley crew, indeed. Yeah, like, <laughs> Picard who? This gang is what I want to see. <laughs> so, Tachar's species, the score, turns out used to be a very violent race who craved war and everything. But they've had years of peace. And this soul could be the holy war that starts in the galaxy. That's why they're trying to retrieve it. But essentially, they start out on this asteroid, then the cat lady beams them somehow to this other planet. I don't know how this lady has the ability to beam them thousands maybe of light years across the galaxy, but give me some of that technology, you know? Why aren't you sharing that with the Federation? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, come on. 
It's called the Mad Planet also because it's full of volcanic activity, earthquakes, gravity shifts, tidal waves. Yeah, so... It's just geologically unstable. Like, it's a planet in its very early or very late stage of development. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Anyway, she just pretty much goes like... And then they're transported. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And I just want to say that this crew, once again, we only have Kirk and Spock. I think we see the Enterprise for like one minute at the beginning and one minute at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's Sulu who's beaming them down. And so we Scotty, got a cast. Yeah. Oh, and Scotty. So we've got a cast of four original series characters. I don't know if Scotty even talks. I think Kirk just says, Scotty, you have the con if we don't come back. Literally. <laughs> He's like, if we die, you're in charge. <laughs> you have your orders, he says. Yeah. So, yeah, once again, we got a very small original series crew here, but this group of friends that we have on this journey with them, it reminds me of the Avengers or Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, team up for the expedition. We all have special skills. Yeah, they all have special skills. There's this little coward reptilian guy who's good at opening locks, and I think 100% of his dialogue, he talks about locks. Yeah, (laughs) we got this hunter lady who's really into Kirk, and then Jachar is always flying around, and then this reptilian guy kind of reminds me of the Gorn, Mm -hmm. and he He's a homie. He's awesome. Definitely, I think, my favorite one on this mission. But anyway, so they do find the soul on this planet. Apparently, a lot of groups have been sent to retrieve the soul on this mad planet, and none of them have returned. And so Spock is calculating throughout that probably there's a traitor in the group, and we don't know who it is. Until we figure out it's Chachar. <laughs> oh, Chachar, how could you? Ashlyn, how could you? Who did you think the traitor was? I thought it was the cowardly lock guy. I thought it was the homie reptilian guy. <laughs> Man! Because <laughs> <laughs> when they were climbing up in the structure, he was like, that is something I cannot do. I will stay down here. And I'm like, oh, that's suspicious. Yeah, I was wondering that too (laughs) actually when he was staying down there i thought it was the cowardly reptilian caterpillar guy because i thought he was maybe just putting on an act of being so cowardly at one point in the episode he collapses and the other reptilian dude has to carry him (laughs) he literally says he's like i'm not even scared anymore i'm just tired (laughs) and i'm very ashamed that i relate to that so hard (laughs) Like, there's active volcanoes going off all the time. There's lava coming towards them. And this guy's just like, I'm just tired. (laughs) Leave me. Yeah. Crazy. But I just can't believe that this homie, Chachar, this bird dude we've trusted from the beginning, is actually the traitor. And his rationalization is that he's sick of his species just being peacekeepers. And he misses when they were warlords and violent and killing everyone. So he thinks that stealing the soul back will advance his race to be warriors again. Reminds me of Cough Cough, someone in Star Trek Beyond. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I was like, haha, <laughs> this plot's never been done before. Well, I should, <laughs> I, guess, I guess, Beyond. Yeah, Beyond took it from the Jihad. <laughs> Well, and, you know, Simon Pegg helped write that plot, and I know he put in some really deep Star Trek references, so I really applaud him for putting the deepest one in the deepest cave on the (laughs) mad planet. (laughs) What this all comes to, and why this is a time travel episode, (laughs) because you're probably like, what? Please tell us why. (laughs) 
So they come back with the soul and they have T'Char in his little cage. They captured him. Everything's good. The galaxy's saved. There's going to be no war. And they have this pact. The cat lady is like, you cannot speak of this to anyone. You won't get any awards or medals or prizes. Just our thanks. And I'm like, well, at least some of them are Starfleet officers. So they're like, whatever. Thankless jobs are part of it. But then she also says, and there may come a time where you stop remembering this. Which I'm like, what? What now? Excuse me? <laughs> I would be like, that again. I would be like, can I get that in writing? <laughs> like, I need to know why I'm going to be losing my memory. That's a little terrifying. But then they just beam back to the Enterprise. And Sulu's all like, whoa, guys, why are you back? Did something go wrong? And Kirk's like, what do you mean, Mr. Sulu? He's like, you've been gone two minutes, sir. <laughs> what? Okay, so again, how come this lady is enlisting Starfleet officers to help her in her literal holy war, but then not sharing this insane technology with them? Okay, we have cross-planet beaming. Okay, we have time manipulation question mark right okay and just to break this down further is she manipulating time here or is the time that occurs on her planet going faster right is this a blink of an eye situation or something in voyager i mean i wondered that too it's just i agree like her thanks could have been like here's some of our cool technology Yeah. So Kirk has this line where he responds to Sulu. I think he says something like, oh, they changed their minds. They're not going to steal the soul after all, period. He's like, they don't need our help because like they can't say anything about the mission. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So do you think he actually can't say anything about his mission? Or do you think at that point he's an amnesiac? Like she actually took his memory. I think because of the shifty eyes that Kirk has, he knows what's up. <laughs> if you look into his face and his soulless eyes that the animated series always looks, you know, they have like just pupils <laughs> and no yeah. surrounding eye. He glances to the side, like looks at Spock, has a little grin on his face. So I'm like, he knows. That's why I think she manipulated time because then it also takes away the evidence of how long they were gone that's true so she can really keep this a secret mission because there's no hard facts (laughs) exactly yeah nothing to prove because they weren't gone long enough so i don't know what kind of technology that she's hoarding but i think we need some of that I'm sorry, I just have a couple more questions. Yeah. Um, based off of her comment that you will someday forget this, do you think if we interviewed Kirk during the final frontier and asked him, <laughs> do you remember this secret mission you went on with Spock? And so much time has passed, I'm sure the Statue of Secrecy is up on this mission. Do you think he remembers it still? Or do you think literally they have faded because of her technology? What do you think? <laughs> I thought it implied he would have forgotten by like the motion picture Mm. pretty soon like it wouldn't take all of those movies for him to forget i feel like even maybe into because this is supposed to be what year four of their five-year mission in this season so i think even by year five he's like hmm don't remember that we were just gone for two minutes and they didn't need our help Does he not remember because of her or just because of how memory you just forget things after a while? I think it's because of her. I think that it's a gradual fade into the back of your mind. But I feel like Spock also has different memory capabilities and different ways to store his memories because he's half Vulcan. So I don't know about Spock, but maybe it works on both of them. 
I was curious about that too, because Spock is Spock and he can do anything. Maybe if we interviewed him during Final Frontier, he would be able to tell us. <laughs> be like, ah, oh, yes, I recall. <laughs> Despite its ridiculousness and how insane everything about the animated series is, this episode, both of these episodes, honestly, were still a delight to watch. And, I mean, don't skip on animated series. It's definitely a journey, and you have to know going in that this is not serious Star Trek. No. But it is awesome, and it'll really give you a laugh. If you're feeling sad, please go watch The Jihad. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Yeah, I completely agree. It was just so fun to watch these. Wow. Well, Rihanna, <laughs> we have finished our time travel series. Woo! <laughs> I have a feeling this might be the shortest ever episode of the Dura Sisters podcast, maybe rivaled by a Lower Decks episode we had in a couple series ago, but Wow. What a journey. This has been so much fun. So much fun. Just to chat about these episodes, we just want to thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And we are beyond thrilled to talk about villains for next week. It's going to be epic, guys. Please tune in. Yeah, we are super, super excited. We are still making our list of episodes to watch because it's hard to figure out which villains to focus on because we could just watch every episode of TOS, but we're not going to. <laughs> yeah, we would be staying awake so long <laughs> if we did that. So, Real quick, just to wrap this all up, Brianna, do you have a favorite method of time travel out of all the different methods we've talked about in Star Trek, is there one that really stood out to you or one that you would like to travel by if you ever got the chance? I really like that question. I am a big fan of the Guardian. I think that that would be the most painless way to travel, the easiest way to travel. I think that it would be a little tricky depending on what Guardian we're talking, if we're talking Discovery or original series or animated series, I guess. But I do think that it's nice to have an entity attached to the travel so that you feel more like you're being guided through it. The only thing I'd be worried about, of course, is changing the future. But that's the price you pay anytime you travel back in time. But I think I'd much rather do that than risk life and limbs flinging around the sun. <laughs> so what about you, Ashlyn? Yeah, The Guardian's definitely my go-to answer as well, but I think what I don't like so much, especially around TOS era Guardian, is that, yeah, you do have to choose, and you have to be really precise about when you're going in. If I got the chance, I would want to use the time suit. And obviously, I couldn't because I'm not Michael or her mom, but I assume that there's a version of the time suit at some point that is just usable for everyone. Yeah. And has the time crystal and everything, so I think the suit would be super, super cool because you could just not only jump in time, but it would be a great way to travel the universe. Like, oh, I want to go to the Beta Quadrant. Boom, here I am. How does that feel? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Ashlyn, that's a fantastic answer. And I think it really says the differences of us because you're definitely more of an action-oriented, want to do it myself. And I like to be in control, but I also like for people to tell me what to do and just do it. And then I can just jump in. <laughs> so it really says something about our characters. <laughs> yeah, so you want Spock to say, wait, wait now <laughs> exactly that's a hundred percent correct because i'd be overthinking when do i jump win 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 and you'd just be like woo time suit here we go <laughs> going wherever i want <laughs> and as you're waiting you hear in the distance murderers assassins <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you always do that so well. I feel like he's in the room with us. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's a little sad. I just had to throw that in because today is the anniversary of DeForest Kelly's death. He passed away 22 years ago today. So mm. I hope my call of murderers, assassins, does proper justice to the unbelievable legacy that DeForest Kelly has left behind. He's always been one of my favorite Star Trek actors. Dr. McCoy is one of my favorite Star Trek characters. So mwah, I'm just sending love to another soul in heaven who <laughs> we're referencing today. Yes. Oh, thank you for saying that, Ashlyn. I yeah. agree. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> please, 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 please join us next week because this is what? This is our fifth series? Are you kidding me? That doesn't that even seem real. Our fifth series that we have on the podcast. We hope that you'll tune in next week and we want to thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the first episode of our villain series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss all of the best villains in Star Trek, the original series. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also, please check out our content on Tumblr and TikTok. This week, we want to thank Chris Jones for becoming a member of our Patreon. Thank you so much. Chris now has access to all of our content on the Patreon, which includes Star Trek trivia, reviews of Lower Deck Season 1, and ongoing reviews of the animated series. You too can become a patron by donating any amount per month. Please check out patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. Our intro, Klingon Battle, was written by Jerry Goldsmith. And our outro, Warp's Revenge, is by Arillo Voltaire. Birdman race, which I should probably figure out what he's called. Kor. What's his name? <laughs> his name's Tachar. Tachar. <laughs> How could you? Oh, he's such a traitor. <laughs> he is. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.